Chapter Thirteen of It's Your Fairy Tale, You Know, by Elizabeth Rhodes Jackson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Cap of Thought. Almost drowned by the continuous bellow of the giant, and yet coming distinctly to his consciousness, he seemed to hear, or rather feel, a low, monotonous voice that bore a resemblance to the giant's speaking tone, and yet had no quality of roar about it. I must shut that window. If he should jump out of that to the porch roof, he could easily climb down the trellis. It was the giant thinking. Wendell took a chance and jumped for the window, just in time. As he landed on the porch roof, the window was slammed behind him. He went backwards down the trellis, and just before his eyes dropped below the level, he saw the giant pass the window again, pursuing the scent which doubtless still lingered. Spent and breathless though he was, fright urged the boy on, and he ran two blocks, then dropped under a tree in a garden, and lay at full length on his back with the cloak around him. He lay there a long while, slowly recovering from his terrible exhaustion, and gradually getting his nerve back. At length he rose, took off and folded his cloak, put on his cloth cap, which he had stuffed into his pocket on entering the giant's house, and walked on to the electric car. He had quite forgotten the cap of thought, which he was still wearing under his own cap, and that single fact shows how dazed the encounter with the giant had left him. But as soon as he got on the car, he was reminded of the cap by the babble of thoughts that greeted him. The undercurrent was a low, expressionless hum blending indistinctly from minds intent upon the newspapers, but other thoughts reached him clearly and stridently. If the stores aren't closed, I'll try to get some of that blue denim for Jackie's overalls. If he does ask me to the next dance, I really think I ought to have a new pink Georgette. I can't account for that dollar. Let me see. Fifteen cents for the cigar, seventeen cents for the soda. That leaves sixty-eight and five. Above them all, one insistent thought reiterated savagely. If he calls me that again, I'll show him where he gets off. Wendell was very anxious to examine the cap of thought more closely. The brief time that he had held it in his hands in the giant's house had been so crowded with other impressions that he had but an indistinct conception of his new treasure. He went straight to his room and took it off and was delighted with its beauty. At first sight it seemed to be made of grey cobwebs closely woven together into an almost colourless fabric, but in certain lights it looked as if woven of strands of glass in rainbow colours. As there was no one upstairs to try its magic properties on, Wendell decided to wear it in the library after dinner, and find out what his family was thinking about. He noticed in the glass with great satisfaction that the cap took on the color of his own brown hair, so that it was barely visible. There was a pleasant group in the library when he joined them after dinner. They were all very quiet. His mother was darning stockings, his father reading a transcript and occasionally reading some item aloud, and his Latin school brother playing checkers with cousin Virginia. Yet the room was filled to Wendell's sensitive consciousness with a fine hum, as of conversation. He sat down quietly behind his mother, who had not heard him come in. And then, she went on thinking, 
he will step down from the stage with everyone applauding wildly and saying yes that's the one that's wendell cabot bradford the prize orator the greatest public speaker harvard has ever produced turning she saw wendell gave him a loving smile and wondered why he looked so red and uncomfortable he tried his father next and was greatly interested to hear two trains of thought going on in his mind at once one on the widening of state street the subject discussed in the editorial that he was reading and the other apparently a memory of a telephone conversation he had held that afternoon with the headmaster of wendell's school he seemed to be turning over in his mind while he read the editorial the best method of introducing the subject under discussion into a conversation with wendell and as the subject under discussion had been the very painful one of wendell's low standing wendell decided to go to bed at once he paused long enough to learn that his brother otis's thought had nothing to do with checkers but was idly resting on a dimple in the cheek of a dedham girl named dorothy whom wendell had never heard of but he treasured the name in memory for future diplomatic use and that cousin virginia was thinking oh to be in new york now the toddles there boston checkers baked beans anticamassers silhouettes pantalettes i shall die the telephone rang wendell offered to go as he was just starting for bed anyway it proved to be someone asking for him do you know who this is asked an eager girlish voice can't you guess it's the beauteous maiden i knew you would want to hear from me but i had such a time finding you i didn't know how you were listed yes i'm getting on beautifully oh yes the contract is signed we did it that day the president of the producing company is delighted with me he says i shall film beautifully he says my youth innocence and beauty will make me the most popular girl in america how are you progressing with the invisible cloak you have how perfectly splendid and the cap of you have how perfectly wonderful and the book no i don't know where she keeps it i never saw it but she always keeps the attic locked and never let me up there so that might be oh let me give you my phone number you must let me know of course how it comes out wendell wrote it down but there was a queer sinking in the place where he kept his heart or his stomach he didn't know which he was remembering the kobold's remark about marrying the beauteous maiden whenever he thought of it he was attacked by that same curious sinking what a brainless fellow that kobold was to be sure just as the pixie had said he rather wished he hadn't been so short with the pixie last night he was a well-meaning chap after all and a fiend at fractions when he got upstairs to his room there was the pixie waiting for him and wendell was really very glad to see him and decided not to reopen the subject of the pixie's precipitate flight from the giant's house the pixie was tremendously interested in the cap of thought he tried it on and also the cloak of darkness and had wendell try them both on to show how they worked and the pixie gave some very kind advice as to getting possession of the magic book and offered to work some of his best transformation spells but wendell had his plan all made and laid it before the pixie it was to go out very early saturday morning when he would have a holiday from school watch the house till the giant had left 
and thus have the whole day ahead of him to search the premises. He relied on the magic cloak and cap to help him out of any difficulties that might arise. Well, perhaps that's the best plan, assented the pixie, and of course, if you find it necessary, you can count on me to change you into anything we think most useful. For instance, you might like to be changed to a moving truck if this magic book is like any other magic books I've ever seen. How do you mean? said Wendell. Well, the subject matter is pretty heavy, you know. It makes the book rather weighty. Oh, does it? said Wendell. I didn't know. And another thing I want to warn you of, said the pixie seriously. Don't read any charm aloud till you know what it's for. They ought to make those magic books foolproof, but they don't. I'll remember, said Wendell. End of chapter 13